0: This is tape number five of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth." The subject of his fifth message is preserving faith. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in Mark, chapter 15, verses 29 through 32. And it reads as follows. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days... Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him were casting the same insult at him. And now, let's join in for praise and worship. Followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Preserving Faith. Message number five of the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. Lord, we thank you for the truth,
1: the power, and the authority of your word. And as we are reminded this morning that you are the God who holds everything in your hands, You are the God who is in control of all of the universe. And yet, through all of that, You know us so well. Lord, we long to have the kind of faith that will persevere through discouragement. We long to have the kind of faith that will carry us through this journey with the awareness that You will never leave us or forsake us. And to move with the confidence that that kind of knowledge brings. And yet, Lord, we all understand so well how discouraging it can be. And so we've come here. We've come here to be reminded of truth. And we've come here to find application for that truth to our lives. So we pray that You will teach us this morning through Your Word through the faithfulness of your servant, Joel. And Lord, that you will transform our minds in such a way that our hearts will follow. We pray this morning that as we seek you, we will see Jesus very clearly and that we will follow him. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as I mentioned, Joel is going to be preaching about having a persevering faith in the midst of discouragement. And we tried to think, how can we bring you from this place of intimacy where you've been before the Lord to the message and prepare your hearts and your heads so that you can receive it? We thought of a couple of ways. One way we thought we could just bring a lot of discouraging people in here and surround you with them. But we had so many volunteers for that that we just couldn't uh, decide who should do it. So instead, we want to take you, perhaps in your mind's eye, to an enchanted forest of discouragement. And if you listen very carefully, you can hear the sounds of that forest right now. and if you add to that a little lost boy and girl
0: you are there. Once upon a time there was a boy and a girl who found themselves lost in the evil forest of discouragement. It was a deep, thick forest and they had been wandering for quite some time, with nary a cappuccino bar in sight. It was late in the afternoon, and soon it would be dark, and they began to feel afraid. Gretel, we're lost.
2: Well, we're still heading north, and that's the way home, Hansel.
0: Gretel, we are lost in the stinking enchanted forest. I hate being a fairy tale character.
2: Okay. Well, let's retrace our steps. We can follow the breadcrumbs I've been leaving. The what? Breadcrumbs. Where are the breadcrumbs? Bert. Cancel Okay, all right Let's just keep moving, okay? Look! Look who it is! It's one of the seven dwarves Oh, he'll be able to help us What are you kids doing
1: here? This is private property You don't belong Oh, great, it's grumpy
2: (laughs) Sir, we could really use your help Well, I could tell you what I would have told you Before you entered the forest Yes, yes? Get lost! (laughs)
0: That's it. We're doomed. We are doomed. We are never going to get out of here alive.
2: Hansel, we've been lost half an hour, not half a year. Come on, let's just keep moving forward and see what's up this way. Look, it's another dwarf. See? And maybe this one will be happy. Excuse me, sir. I was wondering if you could help us out a little bit and give us just a little bit of... (laughs) Hey! That was bashful.:
0: No, it was more like paranoid. <laughs> but you know, I'm not surprised. it's just part for the course here in our journey of
2: doom. Hansel, come on, let's just keep heading north.
0: Oh, I have high expectations for this one. <laughs>
2: Excuse me, sir. My brother and I desperately need some help, or at least some advice to let us know that we're on the right path. Can you help us, please? Maybe. You see, we might be lost. Well, listen, kid. Who isn't lost?
3: In this rotten world, most people are so lost, they don't even know they're lost. So if you know you're lost, you're less lost than the rest of us. Ciao. Excuse me. I don't recognize which one
0: you are. Are you sneezy or dopey? I'm Nietzsche. <laughs> oh!
2: Wow. Who knew that dwarves suffered from existential angst? You know what? What?
0: We're doomed. We are doomed.
2: Hansel, oh. if we just keep moving forward, I, I know we'll meet Happy or Doc or... they will help us. Ow! Ow!
0: Ow! My ankle! Great! Why don't I ever get a break? What does this always have to happen to me? It's not fair. I don't deserve this. I hate everything. I hate everything because it's all stupid.
2: Can you walk? I think so. Out! <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Okay, okay, ow, let's ow. just sit for a moment and we'll figure out what to do.
0: What's the point? Everything is against us.
2: I know it looks bleak, but we still have our compass, and if we keep heading north, we'll eventually get out.
0: I don't think so. I know so. No, you don't know so. Somebody told you that. And maybe they were wrong. Maybe they didn't know what they were talking about. Or maybe they got the instructions wrong, and we should be heading due south. We've been heading due north all this time, and look where we are. Nowhere. It's going to be night soon. The monsters are going to come out of the trees, eat us alive. You know they will. They always do. Listen, Riddle! You're wrong! We're... doomed.
2: Due north. I'm going to continue to head due north. You can join me if you want.
0: For a second there, I thought she was going to start
3: believing me.
0: Wait up, Gretel. I'm injured and I'm wearing lederhosen.
3: Well, how can we get around about such a serious thing as discouragement? We can get around about anything. Have you noticed that here? We wanted to diffuse what is a very powerful and intimidating fact of life. And that is, most of us are surrounded either by chronically discouraging people or by surprisingly and nonsensical <laughs> discouraging people. You know, they pop up and you go, What was that? You know, or circumstances that really discourage you. Now, let me do something. Uh, quite unorthodox and let me juxtapose right um, beside this kind of ridiculous little fairy tale and take you to the most discouraging, the most um, horrible um, event of mockery in the history of mankind in the real world. If you would turn uh, with me to Mark chapter 14, if you have your scriptures with you. Or chapter 15, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 15. And I will begin reading verse 27. This is about the crucifixion of Jesus. And they crucified two robbers with him. One on his right and one on his left. The scripture was fulfilled, which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. Which just is a little... Microcosmic reminder that we're in the middle of sinners here. All of us in the middle of sinners. And then they go on to detail a particular sin. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads. I love that phrase. You know, how many people do you have in your life that chronically wag their heads? I mean, you come up with an idea. You know? Can't do that. That won't work. You know? Head waggers. You know, we're surrounded with head waggers. So they're wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others. He can't save himself. There is a spectrum of discouragement in our lives. Many of us are are, are are born to be dreamers and 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 faith followers, you know. How many kids do you know that aren't excited and enthusiastic about life and don't want to just go after it, you know? And so let's put them down here at this end of the spectrum. Boy, they're just ready to go. No middle gear, no brakes. All right. Now, God is usually pretty good to put alongside of those people. Maybe a little bit farther down uh, in the end of the sp- uh, in the spectrum, people called administrators, who will you know eventually ask them some detailed questions about how we're going to do all of this. You know. Now, those of you who are administrators. Please remember that you should just smile for a while after you've heard the dream. Don't jump into your job right away. When somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to change the world, don't say, where are we going to get the mailing list? Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, alongside those a little bit further down are those that are uh, careful. Let's Let's say they're careful. Now these people have been, have been mm, discouraged or disappointed a number of times, but they're, they're still willing to kind of get on board here and, but they really want to do it carefully because they don't want to open themselves to more hurt. Then on down the line, you have those that are downright cowardly. They don't want to do, and they don't want to try anything. They just want to stand firm because they're breathing where they are and, If they go anyplace else, they're going to get killed. You know, they're going to get creamed. So they're just, anything you come up with, nope, not going to do that, you know. And then down to the lowest level, which are the ones we just read of, and that's real aggressive skepticism, the mockers. These people are armed cynics. Not only are they discouraged, but they want everybody else to be discouraged. Now, curiously enough, what I'm about to tell you, is that these people need the faithful to be more faithful than the faithful do. These are the ones that are hurt so badly but are hoping against hope that they may be right. Let me say to you at the beginning of this message that in the spirit realm there is a law, it seems to be, every bit as... Constant as the law of physics that says, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. In the spiritual realm, it goes like this For every act of faith, there is an equal and opposite voice of doubt. For every act of faith, for every voice of faith, for every dream, for every Desire to follow God in a positive direction, there is an equal and opposite, careful or cowardly or mocking voice that says, oh no you don't. Now, let me just speak to those of you this morning who find yourself more often than not to be that negative voice in life. Because I know you don't mean to be destructive. I know, in fact, that it's your form of love. Carefulness is your form of love. And you've been hurt, and you don't want other people to be hurt as you've been hurt. You've been disappointed, and you don't want other people to be disappointed as you've been disappointed. But, I want to encourage you this morning. To just let folks dream for a while. You know what? It is our nature as believers to, to feel that we have been compelled and are being compelled to do an eternal work in this world. As a matter of fact, Jesus had His job and nothing could dissuade Him from that job. It wasn't that He never got discouraged. He said, Lord, if there be any way, let this cup pass from Me. That cup was... Uh, biblical language for my role, my job on this earth. If there be any way, let this cup pass from me because his job was to die for us all. Nevertheless, he said, sprang back to the job. Not my will, but thine be done. I want you to know you have a job. And not all of you are clear about what your job is. Not all of you are clear about what your role is, but you should be clear that you have one. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, it's not that you need to come down here and come up with your own job. Your job is already here. Your role is already here. You haven't found it out fully yet, but you've got one. And you know what that eventuates into? That eventuates into people who feel compelled to dream dreams and take journeys of faith, even though they don't know exactly where they're going. And so you're going to have people who say, oh, you know what, maybe we could do this. And then there will be always people alongside them who feel like the loving thing to do is say, ah, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. I want you to know that every one of you started out Excited about life. And the reason that some of you are not excited anymore is because you were surrounded by naysayers. The abominable no-men of this world. You were surrounded by people who could always come up with something negative about what you were, were going to do. And you know what? You have taken on that role yourself. And I want to dissuade you this morning from carrying out that role at least initially. Because I want to tell you that, that even though what you say may be realistic and what you say may be true, I want you to know how it comes across. Know that it's okay for people to be wired for dreams. Wired for journeys of faith. You know, the gym I go to, um, there was a mother uh, riding on a uh, one of these bicycle things, and has the screen up there, you know, and you can do all kinds of stuff. And she was riding, and she's, you know, make, you know, talking and and her son who was lifting came back, and he was done with his workout, you know, bulking up, you know. He says, well, "What are you doing here?" Well, "I'm riding a bicycle." "Sit down, and I'll tell you how to do this," you know. And she's thinking, "Well, we're gonna have a little bonding time here. That's a good deal." And uh, so he gets on this thing, and she said, "Well, you push this button if you want to go such and such a speed, and this is the difficulty level, and you push this button if you want to race, and you push this." He said, "Race?" She she said, Yeah, just push that button and a little you know, dot goes around the thing here and then you're this little dot and, and and you can race. So boy he just man and she's talking to him, you know, how's life going? Trying to trying to get some relationship built here. And he's focused on this dot, man. And he's just pushed it up and he's just like this, Prison, his dots coming around. He pedals like, for minutes, you know, and just about kills himself on this thing. Wins, you know. Says, boy, this is the greatest thing in the world. I'm going to get, you know, and dad and the brothers over here. And we're all going to sit out here and those, these things. We'll push the dots and we'll race each other and there's going to be, you know. And he's just flying. And she's looking at him aghast, you know, like, i created a monster here. She looked at him and she said, it's a dot. We're talking about a dot here, you know. <laughs> well, she's right. You know, it's just a dot, but, you know, you know what? We're made to, to, to have dominion. We're made to accomplish things. We're made to, to go along and, 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 and to do things and, and to achieve things. That's what we're made for. And so, and so what she saw there was just a little evidence of things. And so what we need to do when we see those evidences is encourage it right at first. It'll run into its own hurdles. Thank you very much. You don't need to. You don't need to bespeak all those hurdles. It's going to, You know. How, how many of you have have you know a little kid that, that that that'll come up with a you know or a teenager or whatever, and they'll they'll just come home one day and say, you know what I think God wants me to be a, a brain surgeon in Africa. You know, and 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 your first reaction is brain surgeon. Have you noticed you have a 2.1 GPA, brain surgeon. You know, or or. In Africa, what, Americans aren't valuable? You go to Africa, you know, where are you going? To, where are you, going to, you, know, you know what? The kid will run into his own GPA, you know? The first response, let me beg of you for the first response from somebody who states a positive vision of faith to say, Great! I mean, get in a, make a placard. Brain surgeon in Africa, wonderful. Thing. You'll be great. This is going to be terrific, you know? If God is in this thing, God will bring it about. You don't need to worry about, you know what? Dreams that in the end are killed by circumstances are better than dreams that are aborted in their gestation period because of fear. We don't need to search out dreams early and try to end them to protect what might be because in doing so we might end some very wonderful things now let me say just a word to those of you who are the dreamers and and because i i think this is most of you and are surrounded with you know kind of people who are who who don't get real enthusiastic when you talk anymore i mean they may have at one time when you were younger or you know, before you failed several times. But right now, they they kind of bring up your record to you. Let me me just say this. It is the nature of this world to doubt. So many people love to play devil's advocate. I've never been able to figure that out. The devil doesn't need an advocate. He doesn't. The devil does perfectly, you know, competent work on his own. And I, and I see people, oh, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Big old grin on their face. Don't do that. You know? Play God's advocate in this thing. But it is the nature of the world to doubt. That should be no surprise to us. As a matter of fact, it says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing or the testing of your faith as though some strange thing were happening to you. It's the nature of this world to disbelieve. It's the nature of this world to doubt. And it is totally in character that someone would question you in a way that slows you down and makes you discouraged. I like the sign in the accounting office. That says, in God we trust, everyone else we audit. I want to tell you, that's the character of this world. You know, most of the people, the people in the body of faith, trust in God, but they're going to audit you. Don't be surprised at that. That happens. Don't be discouraged. It's a natural human tendency. And especially if you've got a dream that's about to get in gear. Did you ever notice? I read the other day, you know, this is an interesting concept. You can, you can tell somebody, show somebody on a piece of paper that there are, you know, 386 quadrillion, 486 gagillion, you know, 294 bazillion trillion stars in the space, you know, and they'll take a look at it and go, hmm, you know, and they'll believe it. Put out a sign that says wet paint. And then I just start poking. <laughs> you ever notice that about people? I want to tell you it's the same with people. You know, you can be theoretical in your spirituality all you want. You get a dream going, they're going to start poking. They're going to test it out. You know why? This is a wonderful secret. I don't know why we don't tell each other more. Because the doubters in this world are longing to believe what you say is right. They're longing to believe that you'll be faithful. They, more than anyone, need you to stay faithful. They're just testing you to see if you have the resolve. They're like little security guards that go around at night and they're testing to make sure all the doors are locked. They're hoping they're all locked. They're hoping that they can't open one of those deals because they know if they can open one, they're going to be in trouble. There's something wrong here. They're just testing you. See if they can jiggle you open. It's good to be able to say, "Nah." tell you what I'm going to do. You don't have to be excited about this, but I feel called to this. I believe this is what God wants me to do. I believe even more this is what God wants me to be. And I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to keep on going. Let me tell you, those of you who, who want to be that kind of person, who want to have that kind of faith, just let me give you just a few little hints. First of all, it is absolutely necessary that you don't fall for this line, well, let's believe in ourselves. Or I've got to have self-confidence in order to do this thing. No, 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 no. You weren't made for self-confidence. I mean, I'm glad when everybody is glad about who they are. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't want everybody to go around saying I'm a worm, I'm discouraging. That's okay. But you were always made To depend upon God. You were never made to depend upon yourself. You were never made to depend on each other. You know why? Because we're always undependable. All of us are undependable. I'm undependable. And so, not only can you not depend on me, I can't depend on me. The only person I can really depend upon is God. And so, it's absolutely imperative that if you're going on a journey of faith that you understand that it's Him that's going to finish it. It's Him that's going to provide. And so you get your eyes off the people and off the circumstances as much as you can. All of us love to be encouraged. And you know what? We'll kind of drift over to those that are encouraging people. I mean, we just naturally do that. We drift away from those who are discouraging toward those who are encouraging. We just naturally do that. But the bottom line is you've got to stand on the rock. And God is the rock. It says in Psalm 31, Thou art my rock. And my fortress. You know, I heard a story a long time ago, true true story, about a uh, a, a, boy, uh, a man who was in a uh, a small motorboat off the uh, shores of New England, and the storm just blew up. He didn't see it coming; it just blew up, and the waves were just humongous. And he he was thrown in toward shore into this um, this uh, bevy, as it were, of jagged rocks. You know, and that ship or that that little small boat just just broke apart like matchsticks you know and he found himself in the water and on the rise of a wave he he grabbed hold of one of those rocks and crawled up on that thing and just straddled that thing and held onto that rock and the people on shore saw him but the storm was so bad they could neither swim out nor could they boat out because they too would be crushed by these waves and so hours they just watched this guy cling to this rock finally the storm abated and they went out and they they just lifted this poor exhausted man into the boat and as they laid him down one of the people said man I bet you were shaking that whole time and he looked at him and said oh I was it was scary I was shaking the whole time But the rock wasn't. You know what? You don't have to go into life all confident in yourself. As a matter of fact, you can be shaken the whole time. But know this. The rock doesn't. And that's what matters. Faith means I know that the rock won't shake. Not I know I won't shake. Not even I know I'll succeed, but I know the rock won't shake. Two, this is very important, you've got to allow people to be where they are. Don't get in a fight with discouraging people. You know what? Your job is not to convince discouraging people. You're right. Your job is not to cheer them up. It's not to, you know, mold them into some sort of motivational force for good in the world. That's not your job. That's not your job. Unless you're a professional cheerleader, your job is not to get the crowd going. It is very important that you understand that people aren't trying to be discouraging, they're trying to be helpful. And this is the only way they know. And they're trying to protect you. This is their form of love. This is their form of nurturance, you know? And it may even come out as as, you know, outright You idiot, don't you know you're going to kill yourself doing this? You know, they're just trying to love you the best they can. Now, there's a scripture reference, Deuteronomy chapter 20, where God gives advice to people who are in the battle, who are about to go to battle with those who are faint-hearted. He gives advice both to the faint-hearted and those who choose to go ahead and fight. In the first verse, it just sets it up. When you go out to battle. Deuteronomy chapter 20. When you go out to battle. And then in verse 8, this is what it says. Then the officers shall speak further to the people, and they shall say, Who is the man that is afraid and faint-hearted? Let him depart and return to his house, so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart. You know what? You, don't, you can always, always love the people who would who would be a discouraging voice. But you just got to let them be there. Let them return to their house. They've had a record of discouragement and disappointment. And, and, and it may not be for you to fix that. It may just be for you to say, I understand you're faint hearted. It's okay. Be where you are. Meanwhile, I've got to go do this deal. You know? And if I if I am taking my lead from you, I'm going to get faint hearted. You know? So let me be like let me let me let you be like you are and let you be like let me be like I am. Okay? Third. Do your job. Just do your job. You know what? Jesus had a job to do, and he did it period in the midst of discouragement he did it you have a job to do you may not know all of what that job is or why it's important you may not know your entire role in this world but when it comes right down to it just do your job whether or not it seems like the resources are there do your job whether or not it seems you have the energy do your job it's very simple you know and, and don't get it all turned around. That everybody needs to be where you are. I heard a I heard a, a, a cute uh, saw a cute cartoon this year, this week about uh, a church in a building program. As a matter of fact, which is why they were passing it around the office. And uh, the pastor gets up and says, uh, "Well, we've got uh, good news and bad news." So the good news is we have all of the money that's necessary to complete this building project and be totally out of debt and still have enough money to do ministry. Got plenty of money. The bad news is, it's still all in our pockets. (laughs) You know what? When you're trying to do something, it seems like you've got to coax out all of the resources, you know, before you can proceed. The Scripture says, though, if you're doing your job, If you're doing what God told you to do, God's going to provide those resources. God's going to provide the resources. And so, that's what some of you need to hear this morning. You just need permission to go ahead and do what I know I need to do for the Lord. So, you got it. And the last thing is this, and I'll quit. It is so important that you realize and that you have this hope that much of the encouragement that you were looking for before you did your job, will come after you do your job. I know it would be so much better, so much easier, if you had a bunch of people cheering for you in what you were doing right now. But I want to tell you, if you do your job, and if it's what God called you to, I want to guarantee you that a good number of those will come afterwards and say, boy, I knew you could do it. What a great idea. Charles Stanley tells a story about Seeing a little boy, it's a true story, go down at the end of a pier in the ocean. And of course, you know how in some of these piers that people are just fishing off the side for these fish and so on and so forth. And this kid goes all the way down into the deep ocean and they're telling this kid all the way down, said, so, you know, here's the fish, you know, don't, don't go all the way down there, there's nothing down there. And he's telling them all, as he's going down, I'm going down and catch a shark. And, of course, they're all laughing, you know. Hilarious. Ah, oh, look at that kid. Yeah, oh, boy, you're not going to get anything out there. There's not sharks down there. Here's the fish right here. But he just won't be dissuaded. He goes down and drops his line. Three minutes later, a shark hooks onto the thing, you know. And they hear this wheeling, whizzing, reel, you know. I'm going out there and going, oh, and everybody's running down to the end of the pier. They drop their poles. They're running down and they're saying, he's got a shark. And they're all starting to coach him. Bring it in. Don't let it go. And they're all voices. Yeah, you can do this thing. They're in, you know, starting to encourage you. you know, and, so. and he and finally, you know, 45 minutes later, he wheels in this thing, you know, and he, he gets it. And they're all walking around. Charles said, they're all walking around saying, you know, I knew that when that kid came down here, there was something different about that kid. I, I, I just knew he was going to catch a shark. There's something in me that just said he's going to catch a shark. You know? Well, let me tell you something. When you do what God told you to do and you stick to your focus, encouragement usually comes afterwards. But it'll come. Don't wait on it. Don't wait on it. It's the nature of the world always to be a day late, you know. But just want to tell you that it'll probably come someday. And if not from people, then from God. When he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to tell you that it is so important that you depend upon God to let you complete your journey. He has been so faithful, He's not going to quit on you. But I want to tell you realistically, it's not important for your own salvation, it's important for others' faith to be upbuilt. The difference between doubt and faith is this. That doubt says, you know what, I've got to save myself in this. I've got to be safe. And therefore, I'm not going to do this, even though it might benefit others, because I don't want to get creamed. Faith says just the opposite. Faith says, I'm willing to pay the price. I may not be able to be saved, but others will be helped thus fulfilling exactly what was said at the cross. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Are you willing to pay that kind of price? Pray with me. God, thank you, first of all, for the encouraging people you have given us. Some people um, are surrounded with people who are encouragers. And, Lord, we just are so grateful for those people. Secondly, thank you that you will help us love those who are not, who have been hurt, and help us just to to accept what they say as their own form of nurturance, even though it's not exactly what we need. Help us to accept that offering and to let them live exactly where they are. But third, God, help us to put ourselves on the rock, to face you and to, to see the history of your faithfulness to us. And to know that that will extend for your purposes into our future. Help us to depend upon you to do our job. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: To remember Feeling lost And lonely Cause it seems We've been together For so long I've been living In the moment So I never Stopped to measure All the miles That pass the places Where we've gone When I try to count the ways Your love has carried me It doesn't take me very long to see That we have come so far You have been so good When I trace the road that we have traveled I've got to tell you, Lord, Looked at where we are And see where I could have been And I need to say again You've been so good Who would have guessed that we would come so far? be others who would wonder why you kept on believing in the person that you knew I could become and even though i wasn't worthy the wondrous love was faithful to complete the work in me I don't know all the mountains that are left for us to climb, but I know when I reach the end I'll find that we have come so far, you have been so When I trace the road that we have traveled, I've got to tell you, Lord, I've looked at where we are and see where I could have been. And I need to say again, you've been so That we would come so far. You have been so good. When I trace the road that we have traveled, I've got to tell you, Lord, look at where we are and see where I. Been so good. Who would have guessed that we? Team that would love to pray with you if you have something that you're carrying around with you that's discouraging you. Before you leave here this morning, would you come and pray with one of those folks? I'm going to invite them to move right now so that you can identify them, and they will be over on the right side of the sanctuary. And also, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior then you have no guide for this journey. In fact, you can't even begin the journey until you trust Him for your salvation. If you'd like to do that this morning, you can come and pray with one of them. They will tell you what some of the next steps are in that journey. But would you stand now and hear these words of benediction from Psalm 31. It is in you, O Lord, that I have taken refuge. Let me never be put ashamed. In Your righteousness, deliver me. Incline Your ear to me and rescue me quickly. For You to me are a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. For Your name's sake, You will lead me and guide me all of my days. Amen. Go in His promise. Thank you.